Hey gang, this week's episode is brought to you by 417 Helmets. It's collectible helmets and more. Many football helmets from just about every dead and forgotten football league you've ever heard of. Also, many baseball helmets from the Negro Leagues as well as custom helmets. You want your business or your organization represented in a cool mini helmet format? Hey, check them out. 417helmets.com. Promo code GOODSEATS for 10% off all of your purchases. And now, here's our show. There's another one on Tuesday. Tuesday's too late, sir. Do not approach sir, the train. let it happen. <sighs> Ticket, please. About that. You're clearly going to tryouts. She doesn't look like that much competition. I could be competition, I think. We're here for the tryouts. I don't think you understand. This is the All-American League. We're pretty All-American. Who was that? Showing that knuckleball. They didn't even let me try out, Dad. Maxine, you've got to make some smarter choices. This is fine. This is something I can work with. Teachers, I'd like to go through a few rules. Curfew is at 10 p.m. sharp. No smoking or drinking. No pants. What? I'm a pitcher, and you need me. Is that so? Everybody on the team has to have a job at the factory. So any job? Max, can you lift 50 pounds? And are you willing to get the shit burned out of your hand? Yes. And I, I guess so. Great. You want the game to be more exciting, shorten the skirts. What the hell are you doing? I thought that you would catch it. My back turn? This is our one shot. So what if right here, right now, we forget the rules? They don't get to decide if this is real or not. We do. Let's go! Things are changing pretty fast. Hey, dollface. Welcome to Good Seats Still Available, a curious little podcast devoted to exploring what used to be in professional sports. Here's your host, Tim Hanlon. Well, boom shakalakalaka, boom shakalakalaka. We are indeed here to take you higher this week. Here we go. It's uh, Good Seats Still Available. My name is Tim Hanlon. How are you? Uh, It's the uh, show, of course, that uh, is devoted to what used to be in professional sports, We do it for you every week, and uh, we continue to be curiously uh, oriented towards all kinds of things, leagues, teams, etc., in pro sports that have come and gone. And uh, we revisit this week, um, in flashy form, the All-America Girls uh, Professional Baseball League. Yes, the AAGPPL. If you've been living under a rock, Uh, you, uh, probably do not yet know, but probably should that, uh, as of Friday, a new series devoted to that league of their own, uh, dropped on Amazon prime. And it's a hoot. It's a great, uh, I wouldn't call it a reboot. I think it's probably a reimagination and reinvention of, uh, what, uh, is now 30 years old, the movie, a league of their own 1992. We can believe it is when that movie came out a, a, um, a hallmark, really, uh, of a film. Uh, it uh, opened up the eyes uh, to an entire uh, generation or two, maybe even three, of this uh, professional women's baseball league from the uh, World War II era and then some. Um, and uh, not to be confused, by the way, uh, 
uh, this new series with uh, there was indeed actually a television series, very short lived, that came out of that 92 film. Uh, it was called A League of Their Own, and it was uh, created by Lowell Gantz and Babalu Mandel. It was directed by Penny Marshall and Tom Hanks and all lots of people involved with the film. That only lasted a couple of episodes in April of 1993, as a matter of fact. Uh, there are a couple of, I think two of the six episodes they produced are is available on YouTube. But we're not here to, to talk about really either of those, although those were kind of the uh, um, the beginnings of this story. No, we're here to talk about the brand new series called, wait for it, A League of Their Own. Yes, now available on Amazon Prime. Uh, all the episodes of the first season just dropped uh, on uh, Friday as we uh, record this, uh, the Monday or drop this show uh, the Monday thereafter. So it's been out for a couple of days if you're listening to this show live and in pattern. Uh, and uh, it is available, of course, for entire the entire season's consumption on Amazon Prime. And uh, we'll have a convenient link to that. Uh, if you're not an Amazon Prime member, that link will uh, take you to a free trial and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and we are honored to have one of the executive producers of said series, Desta Tedros Ref. Uh, as our guest this week, and um, we get into some um, uh, great origin stories, not uh, just about the league, of course, but also this reimagination uh, of the series. It's great. I had the uh, pleasure uh, of seeing, um, it wasn't the world premiere, but I think it was the sort of second world premiere, uh, maybe about two weeks uh, post its uh, debut at the Tribeca Film Festival earlier this summer. Uh, had the opportunity to go to beautiful Rockford, Illinois, where the show was, shall we say, debuted for the masses, or at least the local masses, at the uh, beautiful Coronado Performing Arts Center right down there in downtown Rockford on uh, on Main Street there, uh, and got the schmooze with some of the uh, the stars and the uh, people behind the show. Got to see the first uh, episode, uh, which really blew me away. You kind of go to these things, and especially for something that's a well, in certain parlance, a remake or a retake or a relook or a, a re-whatever uh, of something previous, especially something so iconic as that 92 film. Um, and uh, you, you're hoping for the best, but you, you're never quite sure what's going to sort of transpire. I will tell you that um, it is uh, all that and then some. Uh, a great uh, 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 re-look or reimagination um, of this movie and of this story. Um, it's a comedy. It's got certainly dramatic elements. Uh, it is certainly actually more inclusive uh, than the original movie was. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about sort of those components as well. And one of the um, uh, parts of that, uh, when I was at the uh, the premiere uh, back a few weeks back uh, in Rockford, uh, the 95-year-young Maybelle Blair uh, was on the stage. She is uh, a spitfire and a half, one of the original players still left from uh, this uh, amazing All-America Girls uh, Professional Baseball League. And um, well, we'll get to sort of her, the part of her story as as sort of evidence of the sort of inclusive element. But um, let's put it this way. Uh, you will learn new things about this league that you thought you knew. Uh, you will be entertained in ways that the movie and the very short-lived original television series uh, did not. And uh, yeah, you may even recognize a few uh, folks from the original movie. Um, uh, I believe Rosie O'Donnell will be making an appearance in one of these episodes. Uh, you can now drop this episode and go watch all the episodes to find it. Um, but this series is 
terrific uh, if the first show uh, is any indication. We were recording this before the full season drops, so apologies for not us having seen all of those episodes just yet. But Nick Offerman is in it. Uh, Abby Jacobson, who is uh, one of the co-creators, um, uh, is back. You may remember her from uh, Comedy Central's uh, Broad City um, and some other comic uh, comedic stuff. Uh, Will Graham, the co-creator as well with her, uh, was the original showrunner of Mozart in the Jungle, the very successful and uh, amazing Amazon Prime series from a few years back. And something I didn't even recognize, too, Will Graham, also one of the founders of uh, the television slash video spinoff of The Onion called Onion News Network, which is hilarious stuff. But uh, Desta Tedros Ruff is um, a writer and, and a great story um, uh, in, in a, uh, of herself. Uh, a former uh, uh, lawyer uh, and and one in the South helping uh, uh, folks with uh, with little means, shall we say, with uh, their various legal uh, issues and, and transforming herself into uh, a force of her own in Hollywood. So uh, she gives us uh, and regales us with some of the uh, the background uh, of this uh, story, how the uh, the remaking of this um, don't call it a film, don't call it a TV series. I don't know what it is. These days, when you drop eight or nine episodes on a streaming service, uh, but uh, she, she's a, a wonderful uh, conversation and will uh, enlighten you as to why uh, this new version, this new series uh, is so uh, important, uh, but also so good too. Uh, other people that you may know, uh, Shante Adams uh, from, um, you may remember her from the uh, biopic in, in 2017, Roxanne Roxanne. Uh, Darcy Carden uh, from The Good Place uh, is in it. She's been making the rounds on the television uh, series and stuff. Nick Offerman, as I said, and a whole bunch of other uh, great folks. It is a wonderful ensemble cast, uh, and uh, it's enjoyable uh, as well as it is uh, uh, relevatory, uh, and uh, and I highly recommend it. And that's why we're doing this episode, for God's sakes. With Desta Tedros Ref coming up in just a few moments' time, we're going to get into uh, the... Uh, very cool series and the reason for it, a league of their own. If you think you know the story, hang on to your hats because you don't know nothing yet. Uh, let's see. Quick uh, promotional message. Let's uh, spin the wheel, shall we? How about our friends at Royal Retros? That's royalretros.com. Uh, we love uh, our friends out there in Portland, Oregon, Dustin Alameda and his pals. And what is it? Royal Retros. Well, uh, like the name implies, uh, leagues uh, uh, and, you know, from all kinds of different defunct uh, 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 things of your basketball, the ABA and the Basketball Association of America, tons of football leagues, uh, some hockey leagues, the WHA, the WHL, the International Hockey League and baseball, of course. And we're talking jackets. We're talking uh, vintage jerseys, handcrafted and lovingly recreated uh, an Awesome assortment of hats and other forms of apparel, uh, guaranteed to delight uh, as well as fit and make you look smart and sharp uh, in your sports uh, doings out there. And in particular, I just noticed some new stuff from uh, a topic we've talked about in a couple of different previous episodes in the realm of baseball. Remember our conversations about the Senior Professional Baseball Association, the SBPA, excuse me, the S. PBA, hard to say those acronyms, um, from the late 80s, early 90s, uh, the St. Petersburg Pelicans, uh, not only the T-shirt form and a couple of different versions of that, but 
the actual Pelicans jersey uh, recreation, which is fantastic. Also, the West Palm Beach Tropics, uh, both in hat form as well as in jersey form. Uh, two different jerseys there for you to choose from, as well as the St. Lucie, L-U-C-I-E, Legends jersey. Um, so three of the original teams uh, commemorated for you there in uh, tremendously well-crafted jersey and uh, T-shirt and even uh, baseball cap flex hat form. So many things to discover and uh, hopefully purchase at Royal Retros. Dot com, the formerly known as 503 Sports. That's the sort of the sub-brand now. And yes, promo code for you there for 10% of all of your purchases is SEATS. S-E-A-T-S, SEATS. That's the promo code for you at royalretros.com. Check out those baseball things as well as all the other great stuff. You will be glad you did. And uh, we have many, many satisfied listeners who have uh, enjoyed and, and told us how much they enjoy the stuff from uh, from Royal Retros. Please, as always, enjoy those. And uh, thank you for uh, patronizing our, our sponsors. And we appreciate uh, Royal Retros for doing so. Of course, they've been with us for a long time and we appreciate it. All right. We also appreciate you listening uh, to this excellent, fun, and um, eye-opening conversation with one of the executive producers of this fine, fine series now on Amazon Prime. Again, it's called A League of Their Own. Desta Tedros Ref, our guest, coming up. Here it is. Please, as always, enjoy. I, I do feel like I have a bit of an advantage because I've, I've seen you already on stage uh, in Rockford. So, uh, Oh, that was a lovely, lovely night. That was truly lovely. All right. So before we get any further, uh, and I realize you're pressed for time, so I'm going to try to make it as worth your while as possible and hopefully as painless as possible. I, you got to be sick of doing this stuff already. Uh, and it, the show hasn't even dropped yet as we're recording this. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think this show is such a labor of love for so many of us involved. Like it's, I, I never thought I would be able to be a part of a show that tells stories like this, that it's just exciting to talk to anybody about it. And also it's been such a long journey to sort of like, like birth it out into the world and be able to talk to people about it and not just talk to, to like Will and Abby and, and, and us who are working on it is still at this point exciting, which I think is good. <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm frankly, having seen the first episode in Rockford uh, at that uh, debut uh, a couple of weeks back, I, I know it's good and I know it will be good. Um, and I was, you know, pleasantly surprised because you never know really with these kinds of things. I mean, especially right. when you layer in sort of nostalgia and everybody, you know, can kind of give you a pass when it comes to the memories and the, and, and obviously in Rockford with the peaches and stuff. But before we get into that, let, first of all, explain to our audience what an executive producer does and in particular in the realm of streaming. Uh, I think it's lost on on flyover country, I guess, in terms of what what EP means in in the land of Hollywood in either film or television or whatever you call this these day, these days. Yeah, I mean, I think it can have a lot of different sort of like meanings in depending on like where you're situated. But for me specifically, I was a part of the creative and sort of a part of the writing show. So I was a writer in the room. Um, and then transitioning into sort of like through production, helping to sort of shepherd the show. Um, so assisting Will and Abby and kind of like running the show and overseeing production. So I think for like oftentimes, I feel like the EP titles often if you've created the show or also kind of like if you are deeply involved in sort of the shaping of the show 
and bringing it to the masses. And and Will and Abby, for those who don't know yet, uh, and I and there's some extensive press. So by the time we drop this, uh, the Monday of next week, um, you want to uh, enlighten our audience as to who these yes. two are. They're crucial to this as well as you. Yeah. So Will Graham and Abby Jacobson are the uh, co-creators of the show, uh, and Abby is starring as Carson, um, one of them, the one of our two leads in um, the uh, League of Their Own. All right. So before we get into your adjunct into the All-America Girls Baseball League, I want to start, I want to get back to your your origin story because um, completely out of left field, no pun intended, perhaps pun intended, um, <laughs> you, you're not a native to this uh, this Hollywood land stuff. I am uh, not. What Give us an idea of what your sort of career path and your uh and how you got to this this now debut of a, of a streaming show and all the stuff that you've done in entertainment. But it wasn't that way from the beginning. No, interestingly enough, I was a lawyer before I became a writer. I had a very different career path. Um, but I am sort of, I was always interested in sort of writing and television and movies, but I'm a, I don't know if I said this when I was at Pamela and Rockford, I'm like a salt of the earth Midwestern girl. Uh, I'm from rural Iowa, like population 400. Uh, so it's not the sort of thing that I ever envisioned as kind of a career for myself. Um, but as I got, it was interesting. I had sort of kind of dabbled in it sort of as a, as a hobby, sort of writing and filming a couple of things. And then I went to law school uh, and I enjoyed a lot of things about law school, just not necessarily the law. <laughs> um, but I <laughs> really- be the first. Yeah, but what I saw was it, it's, it's interesting about law and it's the same about television and entertainment. It's kind of the power of stories and how stories are really the way that you move people. Um, and I had, when I had finished law school, um, I had taken a job. I, I actually lived in Mississippi, the Mississippi Delta for almost four years doing like sort of advocacy work. Um, and it was like state level policy also did some documentary work. Um, and you're just really trying to change people's minds. Like that is the goal is to really move the dial for people. And the way that you do that is through stories. And I think also through entertainment, that is what was so exciting about me, exciting for me about entertainment in general. But I think specifically as this show is like, the most powerful way to get people for people to change their minds is to just give them new perspectives and let them make their own decisions. Um, and so I think that's what's exciting about entertainment is you, you have a captive audience who wants to hear your stories and you have the opportunity to sort of um, bring them into new worlds that sort of open, open their minds and open their views. Um, so so it was, it, I was going to say, it's exciting for me as sort of like a storyteller and it was exciting for me as like a lawyer and an advocate. Sure. So, but 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 since then, you you built up quite a uh, uh, a sizable IMDb page. <laughs> Bunch of different, um, yes, different shows. Yeah. So so tell me how how that sort of evolves. I mean, one doesn't necessarily jump from you know a, a crusading lawyer in the deep south to a Hollywood writing and or producing career. And then I guess how does this particular project and this and and the retelling of this league story hit your radar? Sure. I mean, the way I actually made the specific jump is I had gotten more and more interested in television specifically, both because I think it's such a great medium to sort of have impact on people. And also it took a lot of the elements of law school that I liked, which was like a bunch of really smart, interesting people um, working together to build the strongest collective whole. So, it, you know, in law, it's a case or you're writing a brief. And in in television, it was a story. So it kind of like paired the two things I really loved. And I met a lawyer who was an alum um, from my law school who was a television writer. 
And I was kind of like, I want to do what you do. How do I do it? Um, and he's just like, you need to write and have interesting experiences. So that's what I do. And eventually he was, he was, a, his name is Chris Kaiser. He's a very kind man. He gave me a job on my, on, on, on one of his shows. That was my first job. So I basically literally went from being a lawyer in Mississippi to like flying out the next week and being a writer in a writer's room and trying to figure out what that all meant and was. Um, but what was interesting and helpful, I think about my career transition. And I think I've been on, if you've looked at my MDB page, I've been on a bunch of different shows, um, was that sort of, I was trained in sort of the kind of, I guess, the art of persuasive communication, and that kind of works on every show. Um, so I sort of, I, I like the muscle of, of building different stories. I think it's fun and a new challenge. But for me, this show is the most meaningful and the most personal because it kind of takes so many things that I love are important to me. Like even just like I played softball as a kid. I love the sport. Um, I'm a black queer woman. So being able to tell these stories in so many different ways and to tell them through a lens of joy, which I think is really rare for a lot of sort of marginalized stories that are told. Um, it just was, it just felt so important, so right. And so important. I was just like, I have to be a part of it. All right. So, so I want to get back to that point in a second, but uh, we're going to get there sideways by so tell me then how this particular project comes to you or did you find it or something in between? I had heard about it, but I was actually on a different show uh, that I, I was like, I was like, I really wanted to be on it because I'm not I'm not the creator. So I was originally just brought in as a writer and I was just like, oh, it's just not meant to be. It can't happen, you know, because you're contractually on a show. Um, and then that show went through a transition period of sort of like the showrunner leaving um, so there just seemed to be opening up a space and my agents were actually really good friends with another one of the executive producers, uh, Haley Waringo, um, and they still like had a spot that they were looking for. And it was like, they were like, would you, because I'd like circulated it to my reps a long time ago. I was like, I know there's no fantasy land of which this could happen, but if in any way, way, way shape or form, it could. Um, and they were like, it, it, the meeting came up of like, would you like to meet on the show? I was like, are you kidding me? I would kill to be on this show. Um, and they ended up liking me and wanting me to come along for the ride. Okay, so why? Why this show and or why this league and this story, especially given that it was given the big Hollywood movie treatment almost 30 years ago? Yeah, I mean, I love the movie. I love the movie. I think so many people do because I think at, a, at its core, a lot of what the movie represents is like sort of being on the field when the world doesn't want you to. And I think that resonates for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Even I think the film has a lot of like a big space and sort of like queer canon, even though nothing about the film is specifically queer, but just like women in sports and sort of like the the otherness quality that a lot of people are playing with in, on in, in the film, um, but either way, I, I loved the movie and I loved, I read the pilot uh, and saw it because um, I came in after that as they were transitioning the show into series and just sort of the themes that they were playing with, sort of the lens of the comedy and the humor uh, and the joy um, was so exciting to me. And, and for me, like stepping into, again, as sort of like an advocate, stepping into the shoes of this, this beloved IP that had this beloved movie that has so many people has held so many people as a captive audience. I just saw it as such an opportunity because it was going to bring so many people to the show just through the name recognition and the excitement and the nostalgia of it. Um, and, and, and don't get me wrong. Like that is a, 
there's a lot of pressure in that and responsibility. And we don't say, see ourselves as a reboot. You know, this is sort of like a, a cousin or, you know, we're taking sort of the spirit of it and telling our own stories. But there is a lot of, there's a weight and a heaviness that comes with that, um, that I think, and a responsibility that we all felt, but it was just such an amazing opportunity that, that it was really exciting to me. So that, and that's, that's the crucial point I wanted to come back to, right? So having seen that first episode um, at that uh, special screening in Rockford, which was just a, a, a perfect way to uh, uh, bring the story uh, out into the open for the first time. Um, this is not to your word, a reboot. Um, yeah. It's, 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 uh, I, I wouldn't even call it, it's somewhere between that and an homage, but with, with some gravity and two, and two things in particular, uh, that, um, I think will strike, uh, the, the viewer, um, in a, in a supremely positive sense is indeed that, uh, that sort of, uh, shall we say queer thread, right. Which, um, was, I think if you blinked, you missed the, the, even the wink towards it. Uh, in the 1992 movie, um, and uh, the importance and/or the parallel story or the uh, uh, fabric uh, background story of the African American player yeah. in that era. Um, I, I was, I was, um, I, again, I was in that room when I think, and I'm trying to go back and look at some of the the reporting that's happened since some of these other uh, uh, promotional uh, things for this series. Um, I think I heard Maybelle Blair, who was the uh, amazingly uh, dynamic 95-year-old, 95-year-young. Yeah. 95-year-young, yes. Player from that league, um, openly come out. Yeah. Um, which I, I not wasn't sure at the time. I didn't understand at the time. But literally at that, at that event at Rockford, I think that was the first time, if I'm not mistaken, she she admitted that she was gay in in, in and and the just the gravity and the importance of of that at that moment to the to the the fabric of this story as it's newly told it was is very very powerful yeah i think actually it was the uh, it was an event a little bit before that that tribeca event but yeah this was ah, sort of like her it. but still it was still just as fresh and just as new and i think honestly doing it in a rockford cart um rockford event different because it is a difference, you know, in essence, it's like, it is a different crowd, not in a positive or negative way, but I, I feel the same way. No, it's certainly uh, more conservative, generally speaking, right? Yeah, I don't know, but I think it's just more representative. I think there are certain bubbles we live in in entertainment or in the East Coast or the West Coast. And I think, you know, like New York and Tribeca was like, it still was a very public moment for her. I mean, it was huge coming out. But I think, and, and also in the press, it was interesting. We were just at an event with her the other day, yesterday. And she was like, and I'm gay, you know, as you know. And just like watching her, because even at Rockford, she was still sort of in the space of transitioning. And just even over a month to see how, it makes me emotional thinking about, to see how she's been able to transform and like step into embracing that part of her life that she felt like she had to hide for so many years. Um, is just really emotionally, it's just so powerful. And I think that is what is exciting about the series. And I hope that people respond to is, is that, that we are, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, we've had a lot of questions of like, oh, how did you decide to like, you know, add sort of queer storylines and black storylines to a league of their own? And it's like, well, we didn't really decide those kind of were the stories like of the, you know, the all American girls league, the Rockford Peaches, that was, a real league and a real team. 
Um, you know, and the in the movie, there's the nod to sort of like black players with that woman who grabs the ball and throws it to Gina Davis. You know, she was inspired. It was, you know, sort of a, a wink and an homage to players like Mamie Stone, uh, I'm sorry, Tony Stone, Mamie Johnson and Connie Morgan, who played in the Negro Leagues, like their stories, all these stories existed and were real and uh, these were women who were living their lives during the time of the movie. And that was the opportunity, I think, both of the time that we're getting to tell this story 30 years later past the movie, where there is sort of a different audience ap appetite and attitude for, for more authenticity um, in these stories. And also the opportunity of a series where you have more time to go in depth and, and explore these. And I hope that it it leads to you know, that was like when that moment initially happened, when Maybell came out, it was like, uh, I, I, this show is so much more than a, a show. It's really a, a mission and a mantle. And you're just, you have moments like that where you're like, well, it's all worth it. Like whatever happens with the show, however big or small it is, you know, however people receive it, moments like that are what make it worth it. And I hope it facilitates more of them. Right, what's this? 417 helmets. My goodness. Well, you've heard me talk about 417helmets.com, collectible helmets and more on this uh, very show uh, fairly often. Our pal Judd Lasher down in uh, southwest Missouri, I think in the Springfield, Missouri area, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it, what is it? 417helmets.com. Well, first, if you dig uh, all of our great football stories and episodes of the past, and you'd like to commemorate some of them in mini helmet form, really cool, sort of literal, high quality, professionally you know, made materials, but in a mini format that you could put on your desk or uh, put on your uh, in your bookshelf or whatever it is, uh, and just about every league that's ever existed saved from the NFL. Uh, we're talking XFL, uh, old versions of. Uh, the WFL, remember the World Football League. How about various teams, both current and past, in the Canadian Football League? But also NCAA teams of your and NAIA college football teams of your. All of them and many, many, many more available for you at 417helmets.com. But, oh, that's not it. That's not it, friends. There's plenty more to be had. How about mini baseball helmets? Yeah, uh, a whole bunch in the Negro Leagues. And yes, officially licensed by the Negro League Hall of Fame. You can get a bunch and they're making more uh, all the time. Um, and by the way, custom helmets can be made too, both of the baseball and the football variety. You got your uh, your business, uh, uh, maybe a promotional thing you want to do for your company, uh, perhaps your organization, you want to raise some funds, all that kind of stuff. Great custom approaches to both mini football and mini baseball helmets can be made uh, at uh, your uh, command uh, for uh, uh, you to enjoy and to sell or resell or give away all of that and more. That's the more part at 417helmets.com. It's collectible helmets and more. And uh, we've got a promo code for you, too, for whatever you purchase, all of them, all of your purchases, 10% off all of those uh, when you use the promo code GOODSEATS. Again, promo code GOODSEATS for 10% off all of your purchases at 417helmets.com. Thanks, Judd, and uh, thank you all for listening and trying them out. And now back to our conversation. 
Okay, as somebody who's a writer and is is involved in the uh, creation, the production, the ongoing development of this series and 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 the process of it, how do you incorporate then? I mean, you, you're you're basically saying authenticity is is crucial, and these two threads that were essentially not part of the of the movie um, are are now being brought to bear, and and frankly, with with um uh timely uh uh moments like maybells right um yeah. how do you what how do you deftly weave in those those thematics to what i would argue is kind of an unimpeachable classic movie right i 30 years hence for sure but i, I I'm, how do you not mess with that sort of hagiography which is frankly important and and brought the league to a whole generation of people for the first time back then without, I don't want to say, um, but how do you evolve that story appropriately without, shall we say, uh, I don't want to say damaging it, but, but, but taking it into places that could easily go know, yeah. if not done correctly. Um, I mean, I think a couple of ways, I think number one, we all, I mean, every, all of us involved love the movie. We wouldn't be here if we didn't love the movie. So I think we did feel sort of the reverence to it, if that makes sense, the reverence and the responsibility of sort of, even though it is not like, it's not a reboot, it's kind of like our own reimagining our own cousins, still carrying that with us um, because we do all love it. Uh, And I also think we sort of held two things. I think number one, what people, a lot of what people love about the movie, I feel like is the way it makes, like the sort of joy and the celebration and the way it makes you feel. So I think we really held true to the spirit of the movie. Um, That was really important for uh, all of us. And I think that that was important for the film. So I think holding that, and then to these themes and these stories we were delving into, it was really just about guiding it authentically. It's like, whether it is sort of, based in the research, orienting it in the research and just orienting it in our own experiences to try to get to things that aren't, you know, try to get to truth, if that makes sense. Like using that spirit to show new perspectives and and base it just in, in what was real to us. I always say like, you know, I think when you're telling any story, um, there's never a right answer because like it's it's a subject the creative process is subjective but i we really focused on having sort of the right kind of conversations um and to me that was like kind of the only way to do it and hopefully like in essence like you were saying like not mess it up <laughs> yeah and i i don't mean mess up right i mean it's more no but i know that's like kind of the responsibility i mean that is with anything you like in your mind, you're like, we just don't want to screw this up. Right. Uh, like you do feel that. I mean, that's a very genuine, like I know I can understand like the, the, the kindly tiptoeing way around that, but that was like feeling a strong pressure to like, okay, like this people love this movie and we're bringing you back to it. We have to not only like, we have to not only justify you coming in, we want to leave you feeling like, like excited and and that we we've entertained you even more that we've taken you a positive step in um if that makes sense yeah you also have the the double-edged sword though of of uh hewing to uh the the audience from that movie 30 plus years ago 
that kind of it's like, okay, this has been done already. What's new? Why am I here back again? But also at the same time to the completely new generation or two that kind of have no cognizance of that movie nor care for, frankly, because it was 30 years ago. Right. So yeah. it, 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 it's, you have two, uh, two masters to serve almost simultaneously. I, I the one thing that strikes me and I, I am by far not uh, a, a, uh, a Hollywood insider or, or a creative uh, genius by any, by any stretch, but it does feel to me like one of the differences or one of the uh, uh, different approaches to this is having multiple characters, uh, 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 storylines in this series, at least the one that I've seen versus yeah. uh, the story being centered maybe around one person's point of view, like the movie was kind of closer to. Yeah, I mean, I think that was some of the transition of like what our show is, is it's really a, a story about a generation of women, like uh, th going through this time during World War II, a time of deep uncertainty and, and change, not unlike now. And I think in order to tell that, we sort of had to, we, we brought more depth to the bench. It's, it's more a lens on, on these women and their stories. Um, in a lot of different ways, which was exciting, which was exciting to to everybody involved. Um, and a lot of them are sort of inspired by real people and real players, too. OK, what did you think you knew about this league? And frankly, can you give an example or two of something that you learned throughout this process that you didn't know? Um, uh, I think there was a lot. Uh, there's a right, lot. Alphabetically, of... then, please. Just yeah. Please. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that there was. Let me see, like, uh, I think on both sides, like, for example, I knew, I think about Tony Stone and I knew a little bit about the Negro Leagues. I did not realize how, um, and how big the Negro Leagues were, that there was like more than one female pitcher player. Um, and that was really exciting. And also I was like, almost like disappointed in myself that I didn't know my own history. Um, even just the baseball of it. I didn't know that the league had continued on for as long as it did. I think the movie is so centralized around like the opportunity that comes from like World War II, but the league was like, went into the fifties yep. um, and expanded like really significantly, which I thought was really intriguing. And I think just, you know, so much of the movie and our show is the story of baseball, like uh, baseball in America. And I, you know, it's one of those things you sort of forget where we stand in sports right now, but that, um, you know, baseball is America's sport because it really at that time was the only sport. You know, this is kind of like before really football and basketball take off. So just the different dimensions and iterations were very surprising to me. It's like, yeah, you have the MLB and yeah, you have the Negro Leagues and you have the All-American Girls League and the factory teams had leagues and those were sort of semi-pro and there were traveling baseball teams and there were barnstorming teams. It just it was like, there were just so many configurations of baseball um, that was really like, I just didn't know and didn't expect. I think it's going to be intriguing to see how this um, uh, is received uh, for a number of different reasons, but also, um, you know, we're, this is again, 30 years on from, from the movie where in essence, that movie was a revelation to so many people yeah. Um, because they didn't know that such a thing even existed. Yeah. But 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 you now fast forward 30 years and just the strides made even in the last five to seven years in the realm of, quote unquote, women's sports, professionally in particular. Um, you know, there's so much evolution that's happened. Uh, and now, I mean, with WNBA games and NWSL games and 
you know, on, on a regular basis, the, the women's uh, European championship, the, the women's U.S. national team in soccer. I mean, all these it's 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 going to be interesting to see sort of the how the current generation and, and sort of the evolved sports landscape, shall we say, um, takes to this anew. I think it goes from curiosity and, um, you know, head scratcher uh, revelation to something more this time around. Yeah, I mean, I hope that it is. I I think that we have the opportunity. I hope that the show sort of takes you in sort of the same space of like what you 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 talked about with the movie, where you're stepping into the like the movie was sort of a revelation of like all these stories in this league and everything. You're like, didn't know that this existed, and I think that that is you know coming thirty years later and like stepping in deeper to these stories. I feel like I hope that people kind of have the same feeling because all this is sort of based on you know, research and real women and real stories that you're like, oh, I didn't know that the, there's an eye-opening quality, but also with, I think to the point of like, yes, we're sort of like five to seven, you know, there, there is a, a renaissance of women's sports, but it's, st- we still have so much further to go. I mean, even aside from sort of like having Brittany, what, what is going on with Brittany Griner and, and Russia and just the devastation of that, you know, I was, I was reading some, like in, in the year that Steph Curry made the best player, like made like $40 million a year, Brittany Griner made, I think 113,000. So we still have so much more to go. Um, and even Maybell will say it. She's like, the reason we need this show in this series is because we don't have a league of our own right now. Um, so I th- hopefully it opens up people's eyes to like all the stories um, that existed and that they didn't know about. And, and, and also that the progress we, we still have to make. Yeah. I think it's important. I, you look at things like athletes unlimited and, and yeah, but you, you, absolutely. Right. And you mentioned, um, uh, Brittany Griner. I mean, you know, to, to make that hundred grand plus, right. She, it's not like she could stay in the United States completely and do that. She had to go travel, play abroad too. Right. Which is risky. That's why she, yeah. That's part of like where, yeah. Why we are, where we are because like in order to make her year yeah it's not like an american sports where you just play here yeah you go internationally in order to like because you can't be just like a full-time athlete here so there just still is is more more to do more work to do all right a couple of last questions and i'll let you go because i know I, I know you're just dying to go to your next interview um <laughs> so i w- give me your uh your sense uh and and the team's sense of the hope for this series right um i'm sure you want renewal of course <laughs> um but uh i i guess you know uh beyond that uh you want to poke through some some holes in people's consciousnesses or give me a sense of like you know this you said it earlier is kind of a a true labor of love right yeah uh, I think you want more than just if you will financial success although i'm sure that wouldn't hurt I, I mean, I think for, again, it is so transitioned in a genuine way, more than just a television show. It really is a mission. Um, so, and we really had that attitude that I think is part of the reason, like when you asked why we're sort of like stepping into the shoes and how are you sure, like you, like in so many words, like, were you afraid of messing it up? It's like, we really, I mean, there's an attitude you've seen in the pilot, like to rob the bank. Like you, like, it's like, if this is our only season and our only shot, like to just like live it to the fullest. And I think that's really how we took, we went into the creation of, of a television, of the show. It's like, like there were moments where you're like, I can't believe we're getting to make this show. I couldn't, I can't, I still can't believe that we got to make this show in this way where we're taking sort of this beloved story and we're, we're adding this, this depth 
you know, with like, the, with, you know, having half of our cast black, telling these true queer stories that like, you know, we tried to leave it all on the field. And that was more important than having a second season or in a third season, you know, we really did want to rob the bank. And, and I hope that we get the opportunity to continue doing that. But like, what is more important than any financial success is just that I hope that it builds conversation and connection. I always say in watching the show, I hope that people who haven't felt seen, whether it was like in the movie or just in life do like feel seen and celebrated. I hope that people who are sort of maybe have felt seen before, but are seeing things in a new way, really sort of embrace um, the, the, the opportunity of that perspective. Um, and I hope that people feel celebrated and have fun um, because it was, because, you know, that, that is what the show is about. Um, but it is, it is so much more. I mean, and, and I think we just all really, really hope to have the opportunity to keep telling these stories because there is so much more story to tell. Any idea when you'll know if you get picked up for season two? Uh, this is more a question, I guess, about the realities of streaming and how shows get picked up in that this new new world of distribution and delivery. Uh, I honestly don't know. I mean, you, you could call Jeff Bezos and ask him. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, next I think on our you, list. Yeah, next on your list. He's your next interview, right? Uh, it's. I think it's with this. I mean, all streaming platforms are different and use different data, but I think it usually is. It's usually a relatively. I think they usually want to see how it's launched, and then it's a relatively within a few weeks to a month or so. I think they have their data and then they kind of make decisions. Um, so we're hopeful, but it is, again, it's like just about so much more than that. Um, and we're really proud. I think we're always like, we need and want another season. But if it, this is our only season, I think we, we, we sort of stand tall and are really proud of it. Well, we're going to promote the heck out of it for sure. Great. Uh, last question. Yeah. Uh, is there anything special or unique or an Easter egg, if you will, something our, our, our listeners can can look for maybe in, in this season? Um, I think I think there was a hint at, in Rockford about a particular person who might make a guest appearance. Oh, right. Yeah, no, that's not very secret. She talked all about it. We have Rosie. Rosie O'Donnell came back for a cameo and it's a really good one. So uh, you should watch out for that. I think anybody who's watching, like if you, we love the movie too. So there are a lot of winks and nods uh, to the film, but like reimagining, um, sort of putting them in, in different ways. Uh, I mean, if you've seen the trailer, you see sort of the infamous um, Dottie, like bare hand grab of the catch of the ball. Uh, we have Max who, um, is a, our, another one of our players catch it. It just comes at the end of the trailer, um, which I, is a moment that still gives me chills. Uh, there are just like a lot of, you know, we, we loved the movie and there are a lot of those sort of like winks um, that are pretty fun. Well, uh, you can't see me, but I am winking uh, <laughs> aggressively at you right now. Thank you so much for taking time. I know yeah, you're on, thank you. uh, on, a, on a gauntlet, at a junket of, of these kinds of stuff, uh, things. Uh, we're going to promote the heck out of it. And uh, awesome. I, I wish you and the entire team nothing but, su but success. Having seen that first episode, uh, I, I, you know, I can't wait to see the rest of the series. And with all due respect, I cannot imagine that you would not get picked up because to me, the the cinematography, the story, the uh, the intricacies of it and the um, the deference to the authenticity. I mean, it really shows uh, on the screen that like, granted I was watching it on a big screen, but 
Um, I, I think you've done really well with this and, um, I hope others and a, a lot of others get to see it and enjoy it and, uh, and, um, and evolve the story, uh, as you guys have, uh, I think successfully done with it. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate that. Um, that's very nice to hear, uh, from your lips to Jeff Bezos. <laughs> All right, mighty, mighty thanks to Desta, and uh, we wish her and the entire team of folks behind this series the best, and uh, fingers crossed for uh, a renewal and a quick one at that. Uh, I pretty much assure you that uh, once you uh, watch uh, this series, uh, you will uh, enjoy um, it as much as I did and uh, we'll be rooting for its continued success and hopefully pick up for at least another season uh, as well. Again, A League of Their Own. It is available now as you're listening to this. It is available on Prime Video. Uh, we will have a convenient link to it. If you are not a Prime Video member through Amazon, you will find a convenient link on our website at goodseatsstillavailable.com. Just search, search up, he says, this episode Number 272 with Desta, Tedros Ref. Uh, and uh, you will find that convenient link, as well as while you're on the website, all the other great uh, episodes that we have done over the many years, many five plus years, it seems like many, um, as well as all of our um, episodes to come. So that's all the convenient place to see them, to find them, uh, share them if you'd like. Uh, but of course, if you're doing that, well, why bother when you can subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast app? That's the easiest way to be in, uh, in the know and have all the latest episodes uh, the second that they uh, hit the hit the wires, so to speak. Uh, our social media uh, handles, you will find us on Twitter at Good Seats Still. You'll find us uh, on Instagram at Good Seats Still Available. You will also find us on Facebook. You can send us email at hello at goodseatsstillavailable.com. And uh, there's a weekly email newsletter you can subscribe to. Just tool around on the website and find that link there. Name and address is all we need. And uh, thank you, of course, to the wonderful Jerry Payne. Thank you for knob twiddling once again this week. And um, more great stuff coming at you uh, in the weeks ahead. Please stay tuned. Uh, keep attended to your feeds. And uh, thank you, of course, for listening. We'll see you next week. And uh, until then, enjoy the shows. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you. Bye. Bye.